I am Jim Collison, and this is Gallup's Call to Coach, recorded on November 2nd, 2021. Call to Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strengths coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals, teams, and organizations around the world. If you're listening live, love to have you join us in our chat room. It's just a link right above me there. It'll take you to the chat room. Sign in with your Google account. We'd love to have you in there. You can ask your questions live. If you're listening after the fact, send us an email, coaching at gallop.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or right there on YouTube, a great way to stay up to date with everything that we are doing. Bruno Zadi is our host today. He works as a coaching community leader in APAC uh, with Gallup and Bruno, it's always a great Monday, Tuesday for you. It's always a great time to be with you. Welcome back to Call the Coach. Thank you, Jim. So today it's a special day because in Australia, it's the Melbourne Cup. So I would like to thank everyone who are here in live because most of Australian people celebrate the Melbourne Cup in a pub as a tradition in Australia. So uh, I would like to introduce you to Marilou Almeida. It's our special guest today. And Marilou, it's... Um, She's our strength expert in APAC. So Marilou, our top five are maximizer, individualization, arranger, adaptability, and responsibility, which means Marilou go with the flow all the time. So it would be a very good session today. So Marilou has 20 years experience in Gallup. She has been here a long time. She has some expertise in coaching, facilitating, course leader facilitator, and also consultant. She has an extensive experience in developing leader, executive coaching, and also she's a workshop facilitator. In addition, she has a bachelor degree in chemistry. She's a scientist and also an MBA. Marilou, welcome to Call to Coach. Marilou, so fir- <laughs> you're welcome. My first question is, I would like to know about you. You have been in Gallup for more than two decades. And can you please introduce yourself and share with us the different role you have done with Gallup, please? Mm-hmm. Sure, Bruno. Um, yeah, no, I have been at Gallup for a long time. And I think what has, um, you know, helped me stick here is the fact that I really just get to do what I love to do. And I feel very, very fortunate to, to be in that position where I get to do every day what I love and enjoy and what energizes me. And so, you know, um, yes, over the years, I've done different roles. You know, when I started, um, I we did some market research and so quite different from, from what I do today. Um, and I continue, I think, to wear a few different hats here at Gallup. So I work as um, a course leader, I work as a consultant, and I work as a coach, as you know. And so... I think with my, you know, the kind of Clifton strengths that I have, and you mentioned them earlier. So with that range and adaptability, just having that variety and managing different, doing different roles is always energizing. Uh, I know we have a lot of coaches here. And so I'll talk a bit about sort of my role as a coach. You know, for me, what I love about coaching is just being lost in someone's world for a bit. Right. You know, I think that's such an honor and a privilege. Um, You know, I can have maybe the most frantic day and then I sit sitting down to coach someone and you get to just take a breath and stop and be there with that individual and be lost in their world and help them come up with solutions, maybe or openings or way out, you know, for what they are facing or what challenges they may have. Um, and that's just such an honor and a privilege. I know for all of us coaches, we have a different why for why we do it. And I think um, kind of reflecting on what your why is, uh, is is really important. But no, yeah, happy to be here today, Bruno. Thank you. Well, I imagine after two decades of using strength, it's embedding yourself. It's part of your life of every day. Would you like to talk about a little bit as a personal level? Because I was always impressed when I talked to you. You have a now not a young kid anymore. It's a teenager who's called Luca. He's 15 years old. And I remember you start with Strength Explorer. How mm-hmm. strength helps you as a mom? Yeah, sure. No, really, really good question. And, you know, I think as you think about... Y- 
your own strengths and your natural talents. Um, and for us, of course, you know, defined through that Clifton Strengths report, um, that is kind of like the lens. When you look at your dominant scent, it's the lens with which you view the world, right? And it's not a lens that we just put on when we're working. It's a lens that, you know, it's how you approach life, right? And um, it helps you and sometimes it may come, come in your way. And I think as a parent as well, you kind of think about how are my strengths helping and how are they hindering? So I think it's really important. Um, you know, we have different tools for, for younger, younger people. And uh, my son took these strengths um, explorer when he was 10. And, you know, one of his strengths is confidence. And so um, it's, it's uh, one of those that they kind of want to do things their way. And sometimes I've got to hold back on my maximizer and sort of bite my tongue and bite back that maximizer tongue, I say, because he may feel like I've got this. I don't need you to tell me, you know, how it can get better. And so I think it really helps us think about um, our own approach, you know, uh, in all of our relationships in life. Uh, and, um, yeah, how, how these things help us and how they may come in the way as well sometimes. It's fantastic as a parent to be able to connect and to see different lens and to also uh, be inclusive. It's, it's challenging, but it's also a fantastic opportunity to grow. Now, today, what I would like to cover on the second part of 360, we have the coaching community who are listening to us. And part of the community, you have a lot of independent coach. So um, I know you have a lot of experience using strength-based approach together with 360 feedback. And I would like to discuss how do you see the two complementing each other? Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, um, you know, I think with um, 360s, sometimes it can be hard to, to get that feedback, right? So in a 360 approach, you're getting feedback from different key stakeholders that you work with, your direct reports, maybe your peers, your, your managers, and receiving that feedback can be tough. So I think the strengths-based approach can really help people be more open to that feedback, you know? And so the way we would do it is we wouldn't start with a 360. We would start with um, helping someone really build that self-awareness, you know, get to know themselves better. And so we would start with the Clifton Strengths Report and really help that person build that awareness, maybe even have two calls before you bring in the 360. You know, that would be kind of my advice. And that I find just makes people more open, more accepting when they get that 360 feedback. So that's one, one kind of benefit, right? And to give you an example, um, you know, I was coaching someone with really high communication. So the, the Clifton strengths that we call communication. And he, um, he was great at telling his team, you know, what, you know, how, the, how their job connects with the strategy, the vision. He was good at updating them about changes the organization was going through and all of that. Uh, and so the team benefited from his communication talent in that way. But he was also someone he realized, you know, as we, we explored his Clifton Strengths report, that he maybe not always gave people the space for them to feel comfortable communicating, right? Because when there was a pause, he jumped in. And when there was silence, he jumped in because it was easy for him to communicate. So he needed to, re to kind of create that space that allowed others to, to open up as well. They may not have been as comfortable as he was because they didn't have that talent. Now, when he got his report, his 360 feedback, one of the comments there was needs to listen more, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had discussed that, you know, as one of the blind spots of communication, he was a, quite open to going, yeah, I can see how my communication talent is getting in the way there. There is, um, you know, something I can, uh, I should be doing here, right? He was just more open to taking that on board. I think if, um, you know, sometimes when people don't have that awareness, it can seem quite hurtful. So out of the blue, if you open your report and you get a comment that says, you know, needs to listen more or doesn't listen enough, it can feel like, oh, uh, you know, am I such a bad person? But when you've 
builds that self-awareness. You've helped them understand how that talent team helps them, but also may come in the way. They're going to be just, I think, a lot more open to receiving that feedback. So that, that I think, is definitely one advantage of um, use, bringing in Clifton Strengths through 360. The second part is how, um, how do you take that forward, that feedback, right? So how do we design actions that align with who you are as a person? So we're not telling you, you need to do this, you know, you need to build relationships in this way. Here are three steps that you need to do. We are saying, you have these talents. How can you get to that outcome of building relationships in a way that suits who you are as a person, right? And, and I think one of the advantages of doing that is those actions feel a lot easier when, when, it, when it is aligned to who you are. And secondly, it seems for, your, for the people around you, it seems real, it seems authentic because it aligns to who you are as, as a person. So, you know, I, I see two key advantages. One is that people become more open to the feedback. And secondly, that taking it forward, you're taking that strengths-based approach, uh, which makes those, those actions feel a lot easier to do because they're aligned to who you are. That makes sense. Let's come back to your first example about the communication. So some people have some blind spot and it's totally normal and it's take time to masterize their strength. And I remember when I joined Gallup, I'm high in command and I'm very famous with this command to sometimes be quite direct. But I try to work a lot on, on the downside of the command to to self-regulate. Do you have any model or any tips to share or how can people can improve their strength to use their strength at their advantage and not falling in a trap to over speaking or speaking too much if you have communication and leave this space? Mm -hmm. So on that same example, I guess, of communication, right? Um, something simple to do is, you know, when you start a meeting, instead of you starting off and because you're comfortable doing that, right? That's your instinct. Um, you start with a question and you go around the table getting everyone to respond to that question before you, before you give your opinion around that, right? So it can be just, I think, little things I've seen people do um, that helps them kind of be more intentional about how they're using that or they're using that talent in a way that actually suits the situation and the environment. There may be times when, you know, you're, you need to go into a meeting because people are waiting to hear from you about this big change that has happened. And there you may want to, you know, talk about, uh, go straight in and, and give more context and all of that. But I think it is very situational. And I think the awareness and understanding of uh, our strengths really helps us uh, think about how we leverage it, when we leverage it, when we dial it up, when we need to dial something else up and dial, you know, another one down. And so it gives you more, you can, you can be more intentional rather than something just slipping there into default. Um, and so I like to use the car analogy that, you know, there are different talents that slip into the, the driver's seat. And sometimes it's being quite intentional and not letting, you know, something just slip in by default, but saying, in this case, I want to put the, my communication in the back seat, or maybe I want to put my communication in the boot, right? But I'm going to lead with my relator and empathy. And even though they are four and five, I'm going to put them, uh, you know, in the front seat there. That totally makes sense. And um, what sort of 360 approach can a coach use? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good question. You know, we work with different models. Um, so we use, uh, we have a model that we use, of course, which is around the seven expectations. And, you know, some of you coaches out there may be familiar with that. Um, but, you know, we work also with clients that have their own, maybe a competency framework. And so we may use that because that might be something they've been using for some time. It's more relevant to the kind of roles and the work they do as an organization. So I think as coaches, you want to be not thinking so much of what the model is and what it needs to be, but be kind of flexible uh, about what that might be. Because at the end of the day, you want something that is just giving you, getting that feedback. 
right? And that feedback is what we are getting through that 360 process. Um, I've also seen people use a qualitative approach, right? And so, you know, I myself have worked on projects where we've used it. And so there we would get the individual to identify key people that they work with. And what we would then do is actually do one-on-one interviews. So the coaches are interviewing all of your key stakeholders, right? So Bruno, if you have, you know, six people you work with um, largely and they kind of, you know, are your core uh, contacts within the organization, as a coach, I would go in there and interview each of those six people, right? And Mm -hmm. ask them questions such as, you know, you know, what does Bruno do well? What are his strengths? Um, You know, what could he do better maybe to help with your partnership? What do you value most about that partnership? How can it get even better? And so we're asking questions like that. And um, through that, you get some really rich information, right? And you can, you know, we then put put together a really rich report that we share back with the individual. And you use that then to have your conversation, your coaching with them. Um, and because you've done those interviews, you have so much context around maybe what themes are emerging. And so you can share that as well, uh, because, you know, if someone's like, well, I'm not quite sure what they mean by I don't quite, you know, think things through or, you know, about, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what they mean. You may have an example of what someone gave. Uh, right. So I think uh, there's a lot of richness in that as well. So they can be quantitative methods. They can be qualitative methods. Uh, at the end of the day, you want something that I think is very much about the role uh, the individual is doing that aligns to the role uh, and using that feedback then to have a great coaching conversation. Talking about the role, last time we we talked together a little bit about the difference between a 360 as a development tool instead of as an assessment of someone. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's the purpose behind and how it's helped to develop people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really important to, so, you know, when you're looking at, uh, I guess the question we're looking at here that we're, we're discussing is, um, how can we use this 360 as something for development rather than an assessment of someone's performance? And that is that is super key in, um, in having an effective 360 process, right? Um, because the value of the feedback we are hearing from all of these different people is going to help you with your own growth and development in your role and for you as a person, if we tie in, you know, uh, in this evaluation of how you're performing into that 360, you lose that because it becomes this is an assessment of who I'm, who I am, and I've got to kind of justify, or you know, people get a bit more defensive because they're trying to justify, you know, why maybe the the score is not low, is, is low, or you know, why it should have been higher in a certain place, or why maybe you know we got the wrong people to 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 rate the individual, or maybe they were the wrong questions. Like they start focusing on all those different things. Uh, but when you as an organization can really communicate that this is for your development, this is for your growth, I think that becomes really, really important uh, in terms of how we set this up. And when we do that, then I think, you know, as coaches, you're going to have a lot better conversations uh, around that feedback uh, and people kind of willing to take on board maybe some of that, um, that hard feedback that's coming through as well. Mm, absolutely. How many how many questions um, should have a 360 uh, and what kind of question? Um, do you have some example in terms of interv- interviewing people uh, to make sure it's relevant? Mm-hmm. Look, um, I think there's no magic number. Uh, it's really, you know, about what questions is going to get you feedback that's going to help this person with their growth and development, right? Um, you may, you know, if I'm doing a qualitative kind of 360, I'm just going to ask a few questions. And you don't want to overburden the other person as well. They're probably giving feedback, you know, to, about so many different individuals. So I'll just do maybe a 20-minute interview with them and ask, you know, maybe four or five questions I might have up, you know, up my sleeve there. But 
at the end of the day, you want to really listen and be able to maybe probe, ask for examples, things like that. If you're doing a quantitative at the same time, you you know you don't want to get too long. Um, you want it to be something that people can can go through quite quickly. But they should be things I think that are very much aligned to the individual's roles. You're not measuring something that's not maybe quite relevant. So. Um, Keep it short, but keep keep it sharp and keep it focused on on the rule. I think um, Lisa asked a good question around that when you're when you're doing you know qualitative interviews, do you aggregate them and remove attribution, or, or, or do you let the client know who said what and when's it appropriate and not appropriate? Can you talk a little bit about that and sharing that that data back? Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. So uh, you know, confidentiality is really really important for for us at Gallup. So we wouldn't reveal who said what. Um, and we would start off that interview, you know, assuring the individual that what they say is not going to be attributed to them as a person. I mean, sometimes people, you know, give examples or things, but and you kind of as a coach want to be quite careful also about how you're sharing back that that example, you know. So it's not doesn't feel like you're um you're kind of then telling them probably who, who said what. Uh, we would kind of aggregate it, yes. So when we've done it, we've aggregated it. It still has been really rich in terms of, you know, this is what your core uh, stakeholders are saying about you. Now, there was, you know, you can also bring a little bit of quant in there if you like. So sometimes we may say, you know, let's say build relationships, develop people and, um think critically are the most important for this role. So we might get someone to the, those individuals we are, we are interviewing to do just a quick rating on a scale of five, right, for some key areas. And so you actually then can just collate that together and you have a number as well, right? It doesn't have to be you need to some fancy platform to do it. Um, you can just do it yourself. So you can bring in a little bit of quant, I think, but overall with the call, yes, you know, to answer the question, we do make sure we're protecting confidentiality. Back in the old days, the Gallup, we had a tool called ICE, and it was mm-hmm. kind of yeah. it was kind of right both. It was a little bit of both performance and a little bit of developmental in it. Towards the end of that cycle, uh, we would allow pass through comments, where if I knowingly could say, I would you know I would be giving feedback to someone. And I could pass through comments to it. And I actually found that really, really helpful. Um, And I would leave, if I left a comment, I'd leave my name. I wanted them to know. Now, you didn't have to. It could go through anonymously. But I, I, especially if it was was positive, I would want them to know it came from me. Have you seen any situations in a a 360 development cycle where it may be helpful to to pass through some of that information and, and know who it came from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I think uh, I have seen that as well, right? So sometimes people will give put their name next to it. And, and it is it is helpful, absolutely. And if, you know, if the person doesn't mind, why not, right? Um, with manager feedback, we sometimes, you know, will have an agreement with the, ma- with, the, with the manager on how would you like this shared? And sometimes they may say, I would like my feedback actually shared the way it is we you know I don't mind and so we would then with just the manager feedback share that but then there is an understanding that you know they are they are aware of that but I do think yeah there is value in that but you know how I would also handle that sometimes um when you're coaching someone they'd be like oh I wish I knew you know who was feeling that way and I'd be you know, you want to go back and have conversations with your key stakeholders right and you know, develop that relationship, build trust. And if you're building that trust, you're going to know how people are feeling. You're going to know how those individuals feel about you, right? So that kind of is a bit of a journey, right, that you're taking them on. Um, but that can be something they can work towards, you know, it, it, as, as they grow and develop in action some of what uh, what's coming through. Yeah, I think we would mention that as well of, you may not know who, but, you know, and you don't want to certainly go back and start grilling everybody you knew that was giving you feedback yeah. on that. But it did open the door for interesting conversations. And I think that leads to this question as well. Mm-hmm. One of the strengths guiding principles, right, is lead with positive intent. While 360s mm-hmm. can easily focus on someone's weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. Where's the balance? How do you give due diligence to the 360 feedback? 
Mm. Love that question. Yeah, really, really good question. Um, because yes, leading with positive intent is really, really important and you know, a guiding principle for us. And that's where we begin. That's where we begin with the strengths based coaching. So, like, you know, like I was saying earlier, don't rush into 360 if you've not given enough time or had enough coaching sessions prior to that to help someone really understand who they are and, um, you know, how those talents show up in them. So, you know, if you think about our model, the name, claim, and aim, in those initial conversations, you're really focusing on the naming and the claiming, right? You're helping them really understand who they are. And to me, the 360 gives you something to aim at. It, it gives you the meaty stuff. And, you know, I have found people are quite excited by the end of, you know, let's say your naming and claiming process and you've had three, four conversations with them. And of course, there's a bit of aiming there as well. But then they're kind of like ready, like, oh, you know, I heard about this 360. It's coming up and, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting uh, to see the feedback. And, and so I think that um, that's kind of the, the aiming piece. You know, it's bringing in the reality. It's bringing in how, how are your strengths landing? Because I think part of self-awareness is not just sitting in a room, in a dark room and reflecting just on yourself, but it's also opening your ears to what are you hearing out there? And the 360 is that part of opening your ears, I think. Bruno, one, one more story, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. When I was, I, I actually do this job today. Not a lot of people know this, but I do this job today because in, in some 360 feedback, I got the feedback I wasn't working with enough people. And my manager mm -hmm. at the time said, Jim, I'm going to need you to, I know this is hard to believe, but I'm going to need you to reach out and, and, you know, at Gallup, part of what we do is kind of inside consulting. Like you, you go out and work with people. It just doesn't all come to you. And so that feedback actually led me to start thinking like, oh, I wonder what other things I could be helping with or things I could be doing, right? It's got me that, which could be viewed as negative feedback. Jim, you're not working with enough people. But that was actually really positive feedback to me because it got me moving in a direction of starting to do some recruiting and that recruiting led to some other things and that led to this web, you know, to, to the webcasting and stuff. And so I don't, I want people to know, even if it can seem negative, if taken the right way and what you're, what you're saying here, pointed and aimed in the right direction, it can really have some positive benefits, even if it seems negative up front. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to throw that in there. Br uh, Bruno, sorry, I, I dominated. Back over to you. <laughs> no, that's a great yeah. story. If I may just add to that. Um, such a great story. And yes, just yesterday, I was coaching someone who, um, you know, she did quite well in her 360 feedback. But one area that was relatively lower was inspire others. Well, actually, sorry, it was leading change as well. Leading change, right? So, you know, and that was an important part of, of her role. And as we looked at her report, one of the things, um, I think some of her talents and the combination of her talents really helped explain that. So she had high deliberative. She had, you know, so for her, there was a bit of cautiousness. She had high um, responsibility and she had high maximizer. So when she took something on with responsibility, she had to deliver. She had to deliver at a very high standard with the maximizer as well. And she was, you know, talking about a role that she was considering, um, but she was feeling like, um, I'm not sure I'm going to, I don't feel I'm quite ready to take on the role, right? And so as we explored her talents, I think she came to a realization that, you know, that lead change was low because some of those, you know, her deliberative, uh, her responsibility maximizer was holding her back because she felt she needed to be perfect before she could consider herself even for, for, these, uh, for these roles or, or, you know, for leading change, it kind of made her stop maybe um, doing, jumping into things because she needed to have the perfect solution. And I think it really opened up her, her eyes and she was like, well, actually, at the end of this meeting, I'm going to send an email to my manager saying on second thoughts, I'm going to go for that role. So, you know, sometimes that feedback, I think, can create openings, right? It can get us to to think about maybe what's coming in our way and, um, you know, how I can leverage. And for her, it was leveraging a different strength. So she had high learner and I had to get her to kind of think about how, you know, she needs to dial up that learner because a learner is about new things, about the joy that comes from learning something new, as we know. 
Um, and so sometimes it's just dialing up, dialing down something and dialing up another one. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, that feedback, as in uh, Jim's case, um, you know, can lead to openings, can lead to new opportunities. Uh, and something that Jim does so well is these uh, call to coaches and theme Thursdays. As we talk about feedback, so you have some positive and negative feedback. Do you have some example of people who sometimes don't always accept the positive feedback? Does that happen sometimes? It does, absolutely. So, you know, accepting feedback, um, sometimes we think of, you know, yeah, when get difficult feedback, it's hard to accept. But I've also seen it where people may find they got very high scores and they're not quite ready to, you know, believe it. So I was coaching someone who, um, you know, he uh, worked in Singapore, tech company, quite senior uh, in the organization, um, and he had pretty good scores. As he looked at it, his first reaction was, I think people are just being nice, right? And, uh, you know, as we explored that, you know, he, one of the areas he did really well was build relationships. So he was very good at, you know, at least people rated him high in build relationships. And he was like, ah, I'm not quite sure really about that because, you know, I'm quite an introvert. Um, you know, my I've come from Eastern Europe. I'm I'm not like a local here. I, you know, have a different mother tongue. I don't speak the language. Uh, and so he felt all of those things kind of made him not relatable. So these were his words. He said, I, I thought I was not relatable. And yet I'm getting these high scores on like build relationships, you know, for an introverted person like me. And as we looked at his report, um, we could see, you know, he was someone with high relator. So the relator talent, as we know, relator talent goes for depth. Yes, they're not jumping into, you know, conversations or, you know, um, just networking with, with everyone. Uh, but they build deep connections. They build meaningful connections over time. And so, you know, I think even for me, just the learning there was, People don't judge you really, you know, on our external kind of uh, demeanor, what we look like or how we sound or speak. They judge you on who you are as a person at the end of the day. And he had high relator. He had a high developer. So he took a real genuine interest in people. It took time, but he was genuine and authentic. And that was his brand, his way of building relationships not necessarily, you know, the kind of person who would, um, you know, jump in and talk to everyone and all of that. Um, and so I think sometimes it just gives people um, an insight maybe into who they are, their personality, their traits, um, and look at themselves a bit differently. Yes, authentic. Sometimes it's it's very uh, an important uh, criteria on emotional intelligence, be yourself and, and recognize who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, talking about behavioral change, what can you do post 360? I know that uh, I read a lot of articles on ICL that it takes so long time to change a behavior and sometimes it's ongoing coaching session. And you have some different capabilities here that you reveal based on the role like inspiring inspire other or uh, being authentic or active listening or whatever capability. Mm -hmm. Do you work by coaching block or how, when do you review? What can you do to help these people to be more equipped and how, what are your recommendations and best practice on that? Yeah, look, you know, we're thinking here, what is going to be appropriate? How long does it take to bring change, right? Um, I really think it's uh, it's not something obviously that happens overnight. Um, yes, we you know who we are is very much ingrained in uh, in us, and it's hard to bring that behavioral change. Um, but I think coaching is a great way, and it needs to be ongoing coaching, right? Just a one-off. We don't see that change with just a one-off. So you know we would normally have. Um, uh, a journey kind of that we would design with a client, an ongoing journey. So I work with a, a team of a finance team across Asia Pacific um, of a pharma company. And we've been 
you know, we've I've had this relationship with them for almost two years now. Right. And so it's ongoing. It's not and, you know, it's not just, okay, we'll come here and we'll do it and we'll tell you what you need to do. And you're going to know what behaviors you need to change and you're going to change that. But we it needs to be ongoing. So, you know, I think you you would want to have four to eight, maybe at least sessions planned, maybe once every quarter. You could do 360 about once a year. You don't want to over survey. You want to give them enough time. Um, and and. I think what's really encouraging is when you see those scores move up and, and I've seen it and, you know, it, people feel so good that, that it's making a difference, the changes they're making. Another good question that we ask in our 360s is what changes have you seen this leader, let's say, ex- exhibit uh, in the last six months? Oh, and so people are forced, yeah, are forced to think about what, what changes have I noticed and what's really encouraging is when you're, you know, coaching the the uh, the leader, they go, oh, you know, that's something I started doing. It's so nice to see that they actually noticed, right? And so um, I think that's uh, that that can be that can be really helpful. And so you want to kind of have um, another kind of measurement planned as well as you're doing this coaching, this ongoing coaching. But yes, it's not only about the measurement, right? We know. You know, just measuring is not going to change anything. It's like, yeah, you can weigh the cow as much as you want. It's not going to make them make the cow heavier. <laughs> but the same way, it's about the change that we bring uh, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. What about, and Lisa asked a great question in chat. What about when you get the opportunity to go back for a second 360? Or like if this is a repeatable process, um, do you get a, you ever get that opportunity to see the perceived, you know, she says, um, you know, you go back to those six or so people that you interviewed up front to find out if they have perceived growth or they see the growth in the client. Do you get those kind of opportunities in situations where you're it's a repeat or you're going back to do it again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, like, you know, like I was saying, you want to kind of um, space that out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you give people enough time. And so I'd say about once a year is kind of a good time to go back and see if they're if, you, you know, how is this leader perceived today? You know, what are some changes? Uh, I think asking questions very specifically around what difference have you noticed or what changes have you seen, I think sometimes gets to the heart of what are these behavior changes and being able to then share that back if it's a core process or even, you know, for people to see it in a quant where we are asking what are some of those changes you've seen in the last six months, um, for them to be able to see that is so encouraging and I think really helps keep them on track and keep going with this. I think another, and this is the hardest part about taking feedback, is how do you handle it when the person providing the f- feedback is overly critical? You know, and you mm-hmm. you kind of know it, right? It, it, it does happen. How do you... Do you temper that? Do you pass it straight on through? That person maybe even has a reputation in the org- organization for being this way. Any any thoughts on that? Just it, as an exception? Yeah, it does come up, isn't it? It does come up. And the funny thing is sometimes people will say, I think I know who gave that feedback. <laughs> Right, because there's maybe some people are just more upfront, and you know it, and you know that's that's the way. To, or you know, pe- even as people read through the feedback, that's often something I get. I, you know, I, I think I can tell who's kind of given what feedback here. Um, but you know, yes, sometimes you'll have a comment that can feel quite hurtful, and I think as a coach, you want to make sure that that is not coloring everything else. It is easy to just zero in on that comment, let it bring you down, and you forget everything else. And that's where you come as a coach to really help them process that. And that takes me to something that I think is really important is when is the person receiving that feedback? Like, when do they get that report, right? And so I would say, you know, with like not more than 24 hours, let's say, before you're going to have that session. We say 24 to 48 hours. I like it actually, yeah, closer to kind of the 24 hours because I don't want them to sit there and stew over what there is there. That's the advantage of you being there as a coach, right? And you can really help them process that feedback. You can help them see, yes, that's one comment, but look at the other 10 comments that are there. 
right? And yes, there might be an individual feeling that way. And maybe, you know, you've got to kind of be open that, yes, there, there can be people feeling that way. What can I do? So, I, you know, I, I'm not having uh, people feel that way. But don't, um, don't, let them, don't let that color everything else. Uh, and I think that's uh, helpful when you're there. But if you've given that feed, you know, they've received that report two weeks before. Uh, and it once happened for whatever reasons that, you know, they, they got the feedback earlier. And then I was coaching this individual it was hard. It was hard because this individual had got quite low scores and she had just brushed it aside and said, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to do what I'm doing because, and she'd like, she'd already, you know, stewed over it, thought of it, got quite defensive about it and then just decided I'm not going to do anything. And then as a coach, you're going to start going back and peeling back and, you know, trying to get her to, to be more open, and it can be quite hard. So I would say I find it better in terms of timing, like giving it to them maybe a few hours, saying, you know, here I'm sharing the report with you. You can scan through it if you like, but I'll walk you through the report when we when we connect, and then you're kind of taking them through. And, and I find that a much better approach. Yeah, well, and maybe knowing that about the individual, you know, I, I like a day, I actually like, I like to get it on one day and I'm okay with it. And then the next day I get mad and then the day after that, I'm fine. Right. I need, I kind of need two or three days. Bruno, I'm sure when you process, you process it probably different than, than I do. Right. Oh, my empathy is very low. So I'm really (laughs) mad. That's the benefits. But um, what my question, uh, talking about this feedback and the timing of the report is very important. Can you share with us in the case of someone received the report one week earlier and digestion of the report was unpleasant, do you go back instead of going to the 360, it would be beneficial to go back to strength coaching pure and then review the report? Or do you dig straight away in a 360? What will help you as a coach to be able to create this change? Mm. Yeah, really, really good point, uh, Bruno. You know, do we do we start with the strengths? Do we go straight into the report? I think it's a, it's a great place to go back to, you know, reminding them of their Clifton strengths themes, right? Their dominant set. Even if it's, um, even, even if you're sharing it, the report with them, like just a nice kind of quick recap, getting them to kind of think about, you know, um, you know, we talked about some of these things last time, you know, which of which talent do you think you use the most in this last week? Like just starting off that conversation uh, on that. Um, and then, you know, moving slowly into, uh, I think the feedback is really important. But yes, you know, if, if someone has received the report a lot earlier, then you might need to, to spend a bit more time moving it back to the to the positive, which and um, in, in kind of almost that can feel empowering, right? Like I can do, you know, when, when you're talking about our, our dominant strengths, we feel more empowered. And so I think that's a good place to start. And maybe, yes, I agree. Um, maybe we need to spend a bit more time if they've, you know, had low scores and they've sat on that report for some time. And then to create this accountability piece, so you have the report, you have the area of improvement where you have some gap. Which area do you choose? Is it you or is it the coachee who will be involved? Do you do an action plan? What's the process here and what are your suggestions to make sure if you have one capability to work, that's fine. But if you have many of them, I imagine when you improve one, it might have a, a correlation who improve other as well, probably. What's your experience on that and what's your best practice? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so when it comes to accountability, you know, when it comes to action planning, uh, what is, uh, what's the best way, right? You know, how do we, how do we choose, where do we focus? Where, where do we focus? Um, look, I think you want to pick a few things and work on it really well rather than try and do too much, right? I think we know with, you know, all the work we do around action planning that when you focus on something and you do that well, it's going to have an impact on the other areas as well. 
So let's say there are certain competencies that you've measured in your 360 and someone is feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm low on everything. You know, what? which one is going to be most relevant um, given the kind of work you're doing at the moment, right? Which one do you feel is coming in the way of your success? Um, and pick one of those, I think, and work on that uh, you know, have a clear action plan around that. I think, you know, you're not going to finish everything in that one coaching session, but you can help get them to start thinking about what kind of action they can get. And then you can have a subsequent session with them where they come back and they share some of uh, the detail around their action planning. Hmm. That's a good, good sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would like to talk about the Gallup strength-based approach. How does a 360 fit into strength-based approach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, one is it creates more openness, more awareness, people are more willing to take it on board. And then secondly, is um, when it comes to the action planning, it's more aligned with who you are as, as a person, right? Your actions are more aligned with who you are as a person. And that just makes it easier. You know, I'm high adaptability, higher ranges, so very much go with the flow. But when I have actions I feel that are aligned with my with my strengths, it's just easier to do. Sometimes I find like, oh, as I look at you know my my development plan, I've actioned a lot of these without even kind of really thinking about it, right? Because it's so so aligned to who I am. So I think that's the beauty I think of um, bringing in a strengths based approach is that it it feels easier to do. And it feels more natural. It feels more real for the people who are um, who you're working with because it's it's not like you're trying to be someone else. Uh, you're being who you are. How do you set up the context for reviewing a 360? And I'm thinking here about our millennials report, who say clearly that millennial generation love to be developed. Uh, they all want a coach. Can you talk about? a way to set up, right, the context for reviewing this 360 feedback? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, when you think about how do we set the context, right, and how do we um, make sure people are going to take that 360 feedback on board, um, I think it comes with how you plan this. And so, like I was saying, make sure you have enough time doing sessions before you come to, you know, um, the 360 part. Uh, and then you're coming before, you know, even in the session before they get the 360, you're going to be talking about the kind of feedback they're going to receive. Uh, you know, they're, they're part involved in that process. They get to pick who are their key stakeholders. And I think when they are involved in that process, there is just more commitment and ownership around that. And, um, you know, we we encourage them to send personal emails to these people whose feedback they want. Like, don't just let it be that it's coming from some platform saying, oh, here, you know, rate Bruno, um, you know, about and and so and so. But it is um, where you're going and telling these people, look, I've put down your name and I would love to, to hear from you. I would like feedback from you that will help with my growth and development. And so you kind of really involve them in that process, I think. Um, and that's when we find um, they seem more ready uh, to, to take that, to get that, um, to take that feedback on board. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how do you coach someone who doesn't have the talents that align to a particular expectation? Uh, I imagine you have a role and you have a lot of gap and you're still here as a coach to create this change and help this person. That's why the organization pay you. What can I do? What can you do when the gap is really, really big? Mm. Look, you don't need a particular talent, as we know, with Clifton's, you know, the Clifton Strengths approach to to get to an outcome. We all get to that outcome in a different way, and it's about finding what is your path, right? What's your path to that outcome? Um, I think sometimes it's just like we assume that. If someone has this talent, they're going to be good at it. If someone doesn't have this talent, they're not going to be good at it, right? Mm. So, you know, I was coaching someone who um, one of the highest uh, scores this individual had was on communicate clearly. Guess where his um, communication talent was in his Clifton Strengths report? It was at number 28. Wow. Right? 
And yet he was doing so well on Communicate Clearly. And so he said, I don't like to talk. I'm not one of those that just love to talk. Um, I might be the quieter one in the room. And so he aligned to his report. But the way he communicated was he used his empathy. He used his developer. He used his individualization. And so for him, he was very aware of how people were feeling. He was very aware of the individual needs with his high individualization, right? And so he would communicate when he felt the time was appropriate. And that landed really well. And look where he, it took his scores. It took his scores to, you know, he, that was the highest um, area among all the areas in, you know, in terms of how he performed. And so I think as coaches, sometimes we need to remember that just because someone has a talent or doesn't have a talent, doesn't mean they can't get to that in a way that suits who they are. That's such a great example. And that shows also that he was very probably self-aware of his talent and where how to use them to leverage this communication piece mm -hmm. without having communication. So that's very great. What uh, role can the manager play in the 360 process? That's something yeah. I would like to know. A really, really good uh, you know, uh, point in this whole 360 process is the role the manager can play, right? And I think you want to involve the manager in communicating that this is for development and following through on that. They need to buy in, into that, right? If they start looking at it, I mean, the organization can say all they want, but if managers are using it and saying, yeah, but you know, you, you, you didn't perform so well in that. You remember how you did in that 360 when it came to leading change? Like you're not living that, um, that this is, you know, this is for development. So really important for managers to buy into that. Uh, really important for managers to um, help this individual and use this as a tool to help them with their growth and development, right? And so, you know, when I'm coaching them, I will always encourage them to share that report, the, um, the action plan with their manager and, and have a conversation about how the, your manager can help you take that forward. I've even done triad coaching where we've got the manager in, which is quite interesting. I was not sure how it would go, but it actually went really, really well uh, because we got the manager in. Uh, so this was the session after the, you know, the, they, they saw their 360 feedback with you and went through it and you talked about some actions that they could take. And then, um, you know, their homework was to create the action plan. And then when we came back, we had the manager in as well. And what that really helped do was it really helped um, because the manager was like, oh, you, 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 I can see you have in your action plan um, something about, you know, let's say uh, a growth or a development opportunity. And I, I think I can talk to someone and open a door there for you. You know, what exactly would you like to do, right? So they're having this conversation. Now, the way I would set that up with the manager is we start again positives, right? So I'd pull up the strengths report and we'd kind of get the individual to share what were some of their learnings about their themselves over, you know, the time we've been having these coaching sessions, let's say. And they would share that. I'd then get the manager to share, how would you describe this person's strengths? When have you seen these talents in action? And it's, a, it's, it's great. It's, you know, you have such great, they have such great examples when, when, you know, the manager, because they know this person inside out, right? much more than you know them. And uh, the third part is um, where then the individual says, okay, you know, this was my learning and these are my, my actions. And then the manager, you know, can really help open up the doors and uh, create these opportunities. Sometimes even question the individual and say, okay, you, you said you're open to, let's say, international transfers. Tell me a bit more because you've said it depends on the role. Like what kind of roles? Because that's, you know, when I hear about those kind of roles, I might mention your name. Right. So it really takes that action planning to to another level, I think. Yeah. Bruno, we are coming close to time. I want to get one question in and then I want yep. I want you to try and get one more in as well. I'm on this and I and I see this. I actually see this question more in the community than I'd like at times. But when we think about how do you help clients not to embrace the dark side of their talents, like not to go mm -hmm. negative right away? I do. I will say 
sometimes as coaches, we open the door to that by allowing that. We almost lead with that. Like, okay, don't, you know, we, we, we bring that into the conversation and, and kind of prompt them to go to the dark side. I've seen that happen before, but Mm -hmm. as we think about this, how do we, what are some things we can do as coaches to, to kind of stem that off? Yeah, you know, it's it's very easy to do that. And, you you know, we want to lead with positive intent. I think remind yourself about we want to lead and we need to role model that, right? If we're going, oh, these are the ways this can come in the way. And sometimes they're like, oh, I was fascinated by the blind spots. And you let them just kind of focus on those blind spots. You kind of want to be very careful to bring them back to, how, and how has that talent served you well? Right. So they're kind of going, you you hear them out and then you kind of just reverse the emotion, flip the emotion, they yeah. call it right in coaching and get them to say, okay, tell me how has that served you well? Yeah. And they yeah. take a pause and yeah, it just change, changes the mood and the emotion, I think. Well, I love the way you said that because sometimes it is the client wants to go dark early. They're mm-hmm. They're seeing these results and they're insecure and so they're trying to and I think we've got to work really, really hard to, just like you said, to bring that back to positive. How do we, what is going well? What is the positive feedback? What, what do you see in this that you can turn and, and, and make this positive? So Bruno, uh, in just a few minutes we have left, any final questions from your yes. side? And, and let's, let's thank our guests too. I have one last question. How often do you remove the 360 to make sure there's an improvement to close mm-hmm. the session? Yeah, look, uh, like, you know, I was saying, I think you want to be measuring, uh, you don't want to overmeasure, right? Otherwise, it just feels like it's all about the measurement. And, you know, it's not about the number, right? As we say, it's about how you, what you do with that, right? And so, you know, as, as one manager said to me, feedback is a gift. And I think I'd like to leave people thinking about that. When you think about 360, Think about feedback as a gift, because if we don't ask it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That sentiment still exists in the hearts and minds of these people that you're working with. By doing a 360, you're just bringing that out in the open and you can use that. Right. And so you want to give that enough time. So I'd say, you know, about once a year is a good time to to kind of think about a remeasure, Um, not not too often, but. Um, yeah, more importantly, I think, think, think about and as a, as a coach, how can you help them see this as, as a gift as something that, you know, if they didn't have it, they wouldn't know what it was. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Thank you, Marilou. That was my last question. It was a pleasure to have you here on Call to Coach, and it's so long time I wanted to bring you here. Thank you for sharing all these tips. It will really help the coaching community, I'm sure. My absolute pleasure. Um, it's been uh, it's been fun talking to the to the two of you, and uh, you know, I um, we have the coaches out there as well, so. Uh, look forward to to hearing maybe from them at some point as well what you know what has been their experience. So no, thank you yeah. for the opportunity. I think for some uh, today they've learned a new. This adds another dim- uh, dimension to the way they coach, right? And in getting these, I think sometimes you know we've done we talk team sessions all the time. We talk one on one coaching all the time, and I think taking the seven competencies that we talk about and, and kind of building some things around that to say. This is another piece, just like the four needs of followers, just like the five coaching conversations, right? Um, wow, there's there's a lot of numbers in those. Uh, we, we have a framework, right, to work, to hang on, to to kind of rest in, so to speak, and to be able to, and, and I'm sure uh, people find great rest in, in being able to know, okay, these are the things I'm covering. So thanks. Very, very practical advice, Marilou. So thank you for coming on um, here with that. We'll remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we do have available now in Gallup Access. If you haven't visited in a while, you should. Uh, you just head out to gallup.com slash CliftonStrengths and uh, log in there. It'll take you to your strengths dashboard as well. For coaching, master coaching, or if you want to become a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, you can always send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. Let us know where you're from so we can get it to the right person uh, in the right region of the world. Uh, and maybe if you're in Australia, you get a chance to talk to Bruno. How great would that be? 
uh, to be able to do that. If you have questions on anything, you can always send us, like I said, send us an email, coaching at gallop.com. Thanks for joining us today. You guys, great questions out there in the audience, and we appreciate you guys coming out. If you found this helpful, and many of you wrote this in the chat, you said, yes, I found it helpful. Would you share it? Would you just take the link where you're at right now? There's a YouTube link. And start sharing it with the circles that are around you. I think I think a lot of folks will find this helpful. Thanks for coming out today. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.